we are experiencing a national moment of change. For some, it has been a singular sustained cry called out for generations and over centuries. For others, it is the first ring of a bell long unheard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever your experience is, it's a time to stand up against racial injustice. We here at the Out of Practice podcast pledge to stand up and support equality and justice. Please join us in raising our voices to support reforming our policing and judicial system. Participate in a peaceful protest. Support an organization committed to fighting for equality. Speak up and speak out. But most importantly, vote. Not only in the big national races, but in your local elections and primaries. Your voice matters and your vote counts. Black Lives Matter. Back in high school, each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your host, Keith Barney. Mike and Deglio. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. Out of Practice. The Out of Practice Podcast, now with matching glasses. went from Mac to PC, and I'm feeling okay about it. And welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast detailing David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week we are discussing season four, episode 21, entitled Honorable Man. This is Out of Practice, episode number 82. How's it going, Degs? So, uh, if you enjoy Mike and Keith talking at each other, get ready for it, because this is our weekly catch-up. We've barely spoken. Everybody take a shot. The, the hair curtains have been addressed hair already. Hair curtains have a... Top of the show. It was a, there was a problem already? Oh, jeez. So... We're just getting started. I finally uh, got my graphics card thing fixed on the PC, on the ongoing uh, adventures of Mike and his computer. So you uh, didn't have to order a new one, or did you? I did, but they were all sold out, so I decided, you know, though I've pumped a lot of, like, overpowered components into this computer, um, I realized that, you know, a middle-of-the-range graphics card for me is going to be just fine because I, I'm not, like, 4K gaming at the Expo Yet. Fortnite championship or whatever uh, the kids say <laughs> what was that 4k <laughs> gaming at the expo Fortnite championship yes so anyway all's going well so i decided uh the other day i was going to uh you know uh oh let me see what this button does let me overclock oh overclock yeah let's try that and then i broke everything so i was right, up at like right. four o'clock fixing everything and i i've now been like you know what i'm just going to run everything stock there's no reason to F you with don't need anything. to overclock a fucking space shuttle. <laughs> you already, it's already NASA. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? 
You're right. So anyway, everything's good. I figured out how to do our like a, a version of our Tesla launch through the PC. Right. I was telling Keith before. So when I was when we would be recording the episode before the my MacBook's uh, CPU usage was up at about sixty percent. And right now we've got the exact same setup going, and my PC is running at one point five percent. Yeah, I uh, I don't have a a button for nerd brag, but I think I might need one. <laughs> yeah. Now the only thing I haven't tinkered with is this sort of rendering settings, so I don't know what's being recorded right now. But you know what? If this episode doesn't, you know, it's going to be just fine. <laughs> it's everything. No, I'm just fine. Look, I am absolutely certain it's going to turn out. Yeah. See, I can Just actually fine. see your beard moving. So before I would, <laughs> you would have actually freaked me out. Um, today was supposed to be a day I was going to take a couple days off from work, from both works, because we're mm -hmm. get, we're going to start packing this week. However, oh, but are you not moving till October? Yeah, but we had a couple movers over, and I realized that I have to really pack because if we don't really cut down the amount of time those guys spend in my house, it's going to cost so much of the money. So Yeah, fair enough. Because uh, we decided that, like, you know what? I'm 40 years old, trying to do all that shit myself. It's worth the $2,000. It's not worth it, but it's what it's the situation we're in. No, it's it's entirely crazy. And, and we're do, we did the same thing, although it, we're not packing for the movers, per se. We packed about a month ago just because we're so anxious to get out of this apartment that we just psychologically needed to take some concrete steps to getting out, even though like we are months away from actually moving. So our house is filled with boxes just cuz. Yeah. But uh yeah, we have to deal with the movers this week. And I this is like causing me such consternation because I was uh, raised in Vermont, sort of on a farm. We wood heated our house. And so like moving heavy things is what I've done since like I was in utero. But this time I have a little hernia. Mm -hmm. And I can't really do what I would normally want to do until I get that fixed. And I'm not going to get that fixed anytime soon. So I'm realizing not only do we have to hire movers, but I can't really help that much, which is I'm going to need to be like medicated to be able to like watch people moving my shit without like jumping in like an idiot. Yeah, I've had a, a hernia, a very similar situation um, for years now. And I, I didn't even factor that into the needing help. I, it's more when I thought about the idea of having literally everything I own, including some expensive things, not a lot. We don't have a lot of stuff, but I have some instruments and, and right. equipment and these a couple of antique hutches that my wife uh, inherited from her father and... The idea of sticking that all into a truck and then me driving it over the George Washington Bridge, eh, I don't want that on me. You know what I mean? Like maybe, yeah, yeah. It's, not that it's always it's safer with some stranger doing it, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're going to take all of our fancy stuff in our car. Yeah, I mean, obviously ourselves. What but. I can, I, I, but I just have a little car and I have two animals I have to like also transport. So right, of course. Well, I was we were saying yesterday as we got stuck on the GW uh with like we could we lost like a half an hour of our lives on the George Washington Bridge because there was an accident but by the time we got to the accident we realized it wasn't even on our side of the bridge we lost a half hour of our lives because of gaper block and yeah. oh man if i could have any of the time back i've lost on the George Washington Bridge 
any of it. I am so ready to not have to cross the city constantly. Every time we go to Philly for Jillian's parents or Vermont for my parents or anything, just having to, you know, go up the uh, the RFK and then the GW, like, I'm so ready not to cross the city every time I do something. Me too. Oh, man, it's yeah. going to be nice. Can't wait till I'm in my retirement community, all snug. Oh, I'm so ready. I am absolutely ready to be in a retirement community. Sign me up. I'll play some shuffleboard. Ready to go. And what we're going to do now is we're going to move on into our show and do one of everyone's favorite segments, the loudest of all segments, entitled... That is yes, loud. in it's really aggressive, but at least it's not more TV. Oh, and one more thing, uh, boy. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'll, I'll start because this uh, last week, of course, I have been oh hair curtains. Here we go. Take a drink. I have been. W- Watching the uh, the conventions, I watched uh, all of the Democratic and all of the Republican conventions, and uh, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings, which I will spare you all of. Um, but it was a really star. I've I've watched the the political conventions. I think since '92, I definitely saw some of the '88 convention, but I was a little too young to to watch it. But I definitely remember. 92, like, read my lips, no new taxes. I, right. I, like, literally saw that when I was 12. So I'm a I'm a political convention junkie. And uh, I thought they, I, I thought certainly this new format, um, they did, especially the Democratic side, did really well with it. Um, mm-hmm. Really focusing on intimacy, focusing on more personal stories and less sort of stagecraft. Um, and I thought it was very effective. I will admit I miss the balloons. I know it's wasteful. I know it's entirely pointless and it's just pageantry for pageantry's sake. But I, I do enjoy a confetti and balloon drop. I, I just, just I hate to say it. I just do. I thought, at least on the Democratic side, I thought that the, the, um, <coughs> God bless you, the yeah. replacement for the balloons in the event of the sort of fireworks and the blinking the tail lights the- was, was pretty cool. The hazards was such a great, so smart, so clever, so like metaphorically, but also just visually is really cool. But that said, then, if we're going to loud that, then what do you think of the pageantry of having the, you know, using the front lawn and having a super spreader sort of uh, firework (sighs) extravaganza, the full weight of the imagery of the White House as backdrop? Yeah, we sort of had a a dystopian fascist COVID orgy that was... uh, Pretty grim. I yeah. admit that was. Oh, uh, it's dark, kids. It's dark. Yeah. In fact, Jen and I had. I was. I loved. I feel so bad for my wife in so many ways. I liked. I love. I do to too. Be I a, feel bad for her too. Yeah. I, I love to be a contrarian. So every time she's like, "Things will never recover from this," I'm like, "Well," let's, and I list off terrible things that have happened in the past that we've gotten through. Sure. And so you know, she was. You and her were both like, "We have to watch this." Uh, and I was like, I don't even want to want to watch it. But then she convinced me to watch it. And then by the time we got to the end of it on Thursday night, whoof, 
at least the Democrats like hired somebody to like, let's try to make this visually appealing in this new format and embrace the new format. The Republicans were like, no, let's stick everybody in a room and just have them come out in a line and give speeches in the same place. By the time we got to the final speech, even after the 30 minute introduction of just him and Melania walking down the steps and all that crap. Um, Using the White House as a political prop. I just had to breaking finally, the law brazenly. I forced Jen. We were watching it. She. I had to bail on his speech. He's just so boring. It was seventy minutes, about thirty minutes in. I was like, "Yeah, no." Well, no. I, what I you know for for a guy who's constantly sleepy, Joe Biden. He's out there. He doesn't know. He's too sleepy to do anything. If you actually watch the speech all the way to the end, which of course I did. He just talked and talked until he ran out of energy mm -hmm. and just sort of stopped talking. Yeah, exactly. Like that. it, it, it was, it was literally, you could see he's like, man, 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 America lights. But, but like, in at least semi entertainments, am I, am I entertainment? Oh boy. Here we go. You can, you can, you can switch to PC, but you can't upgrade your own internal processor. Can you? No, you sure can't. So you need to overclock you, not your uh, <laughs> yeah. CPU. So, uh, you know, Keith mentioned that uh, other production company I'm working for on occasion. We had our last show of the summer. The game show was this last Friday. So we have like a week off from that um, until we get into our fall. But Melania, uh, I was tasked with coming up with a bit of a, a promo for it this past Friday. And Melania gave us the most the green screen, wonderful green screen. So I was able yeah. to, uh, <laughs> I was able to uh, pop her. Uh, help that was helpful. Uh, hilarious. That that was Thank helpful. you. Yeah. Thank you, Melania. You, you won't let me touch you, but you do make for some good green screen. Oh, that's for damn sure. Do you know what else uh, I've been watching a little bit? Actually, I've been watching a lot of stuff, but the only thing I'm going to mention this week is, uh, we were really bored, and we decided to, we were going to have a little bit of a game of a not game night. I meant to date tonight. And so, since you can't go to the movies anymore, we decided to actually pony up and rent uh, the new Bill and Ted movie. Oh, yes. So we watched that, and friend, uh, we're watching, and so uh, my brief review is this. It's the same corny, yet uplifting, positive, funny movie you remember. It, how they were able to like capture the same exact vibe and just fast forward it all these years is great. It's got the same like camp value. There are cheesy moments, but what's really what's really impressive to me is that our two friends, Bill and Ted, Keanu Reeves and Bill, um, oh, God damn it, a a Alex Winters. Ted. I yes, know. I think I think his name is Alex Winters, or or something like that. <laughs> we can tell Jonathan who had Winters. the bigger career. Yeah. Um, <laughs> However, they commit so fully to these characters and embrace it that it it, it worked. It won me over. Jen was less uh, entertained, but I think I just have more nostalgic value for Bill and Ted. Well, it's a dude movie. It's a dude movie. Uh, it reminds me of movie. this is a this day in the basement for way back. Whoa, but dude. my I'll never forget my grandma took us to see the second one, uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. <laughs> and sure. you know how like 20 minutes into a movie, the guy comes into the theater and turns down the, what it does, whatever he does. I don't even know what they're doing. They're like messing with the air conditioning. Is that what or they're something. doing? something, yeah. yeah. Whatever they're doing. He came in and he's like walking out. You know, he's 14 years old or whatever. They, they, there's no there's no employment laws at the movie theater. 
and you need to be grumpy to work the popcorn and you need to be underage to work the theater. Right, right. Anyway, my grandmother grabs him on the way out and you know what she said? She's like, hey, you tell them to turn it down. It's too loud. Of course she did. Uh, and so about 15 minutes after that, she turns to me and she goes, I don't think they did it. And I was like, no, Grandma, they probably didn't. Um, no, they definitely didn't. But that all said, my point is that midway through the movie, who appears but? Holland Taylor! Everybody's favorite, Judge Kittleson, in Bill and Ted 3, Bill and Ted Face the Music, and she, speak of, talk about committing. She plays, you'll remember Rufus from the original uh, sequels? I don't think I've seen it since it came out. Uh, well, she... She is like the the like grand leader of the future, and she right. has all the stakes. And she chews up that scenery in her few little scenes. So, uh, good job to you. Oop. Well, I gotta say this for you, Holland. If you're gonna be in Bill and, Bill and Ted's, you've got to in Massachusetts. In Massachusetts. Hell yeah. Yes, indeed. All right, folks, that was more TV, which, of course, brings us to... Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. We have heard from many of our usual old friends, and uh, Leanne writes wrote about a couple episodes ago we were you were bringing up uh live episodes and such so she quotes mike we're going to have live episodes we're gonna have guests keith anxiety intensifies yes leanne you know me so well you'll also notice that uh i lost that lost that battle right away but oh, we did, we oh, did come on sure. the youtube so that's like we well, this was, YouTube was the compromise, mm -hmm. which ended up being so much more work than what you were proposing. Mm -hmm. Much but like the uh, what was the the big what was the name of the in U.S. history, Keith? The grant the big compromise that got us all that land. What was that called? The Louisiana Purchase. Yeah, maybe let's just use that. This was my Louisiana Purchase moment. I thought it was a compromise. <laughs> Turns out I got screwed. <laughs> you that that is definitely true of yeah. of the people screwed you are the most screwed by doing this although to be fair it does add another like half an hour of graphics for me every week yeah to what, uh to we do love this. it we have we have but fun. we definitely definitely love it also on youtube of course our good friend phoenix cage uh very helpfully last week we uh, asked him to moderate the youtube boards which are just him <laughs> But happily, he said, I officially accept your invitation to moderate myself. I will make my best effort to keep the multiple personalities of Cloud Lover, Tom Brady, and Mike's mom in check. Good Thank luck, buddy. You. <laughs> no. Phoenix is even busier than we are. He also says, so apparently all three of us have had similar experiences of people wondering why we don't have more of an accent. That's the first comment I get when people find out where I'm from. But you guys have heard my voice so many times that I wonder if you'd be able to guess. That's a really good question. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, we, we talked last week about how I never had the Vermont accent. You never had the Philly accent. But 
You know, if I did have the Vermont accent, I'd be sounding like this, all right? You know, so I don't you know, know that I never had the from. Philly accent. I don't know that it's a never, but definitely. Oh, you deleted no it longer, later. Yeah. I was a pretentious child, so I'm, I'm assuming mm -hmm. that that's why I just never had it. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So where where do we think Phoenix is from? I'm gonna guess he's Canadian. Really? Yeah. I don't know why. I just that's what I'm feeling. So I'm gonna say Canadian. I I I don't I don't get a Canadian vibe from Phoenix. Okay. I'm I'm gonna say. All right, this is gonna be the weird one. I think Phoenix is from Georgia. Oh, I think southern. He's from somewhere down south, but has weaned himself of the southern accent. Okay, I like that. So, uh, Phoenix, never tell us. We're just gonna say you're from a different place every time we come in. Yes, I think that's I think that's the better choice on our part. Well, he continues, I find it hard to believe that a judge, let alone multiple judges, would strike down the appeal on a technicality that a rape kit cannot be tested because of its old evidence. The new test res uh, result itself would be evidence. It's like if a judge didn't tell the lawyer, call a witness twice because anything else would have, have uh, they would have to say would be old testimony. Hmm. Read more. I can wonder if it's a technicality that judges actually use, or is it this just more lazy riding a better podcast listener would know but maybe he or she is out there in the comment so that's phoenix cage as jeff daniels doing atticus finch in to kill a mockingbird on broadway right okay yeah great. that was a, a very complex impersonation wow uh but his actual point there is is interesting because because we were talking about Old evidence versus new evidence. Can there be new evidence discovered on a piece of old evidence? Which is what we're talking about right. here. Can you analyze a piece of thing that has already gone into evidence, has been accepted as evidence, but analyze it in a different way as new evidence? Which, of course, I think it should be. Totally. Uh, and I wonder if that's a technicality that judges use, too. But, I, you know, I feel like it probably happens more often than we think. Because I think about the um, the Adnan Syed case and how difficult it's been for them to introduce new evidence with like, uh, like especially like the cell phone records, which we understand very differently now than we did then. And so they're saying like, no, this same cell phone record that we have put into evidence that we have analyzed before now means a different thing based on this new information. But fighting to get them to accept that as a new piece of evidence. So right. un unfortunately, I think I might have to take the dystopian view and think that it is actually that difficult to uh, introduce new things. It does, it's so many, so often, regardless of which piece of crime uh, fiction or true crime nonfiction you're watching or reading, it does seem in so many cases that the system is set up to make things more difficult. Although, you know, Cameron's close last week was a perfect summation of that. You know, it's it seems yeah. almost like the right intentions are 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 there, but they hardly ever work out it to the benefit of the accused. Yes. Yeah. In an in a judicial system designed at least conceptually to be on the side of the accused, to be giving all the benefits of the doubt to the accused, not the prosecution. It ends up going backwards. Because I appoint the best judges everywhere I go. 
Oh man, Kill did you now. read about this payroll tax cut thing that was supposed to be helpful, but it's just a goddamn giant mess of red tape and nobody knows what the well, hell it's, is happening? It's, uh, all it is is an attempt to kill Social Security. It's a backdoor assassination of Social Security and Medicare. So enjoy that, folks. And not not the least of which, it's a pause in the medical and the medic or in the payroll tax cuts that you still have to pay. Yep. So uh, what the fuck good does it do? They're like, oh, I have an extra 200 bucks. I just have to leave it there and then write a check later. How does that help me? All right, anyway. Uh, lastly, <laughs> on, uh, on Instagram, of course, Marla always gets a lot of love on Instagram. Marla Sokolove says, how is Lucy always so beautiful? And Cody Y16 says, not to sound over-exaggerated, but when I see a pic of Lucy Hatcher, I just feel like this and let me see if I can approximate this emoticon. <laughs> so, oof, I I don't know if you did it justice, but you gave it the old college try. <laughs> right? It uh, look, it was upsetting. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had I caught a glimpse of it in the camera. I was like, "No, that's bad." We had another email. Uh, uh you know, you know that screenshot's going to show up somewhere. You uh, there's an old an old chestnut Ask and ye shall receive. Well, that's not generally the case here at the Outer Practice Podcast. You'll note that we two to three times each episode ask for people to leave uh, reviews. Ratings and reviews, yes. Yeah, I know from the analytics, people are watching, and they're watching old episodes as well, so they people sure are, are just not heeding our plea for reviews, but <laughs> is what it is. But, Keith, better than a review... I received an email from our good friend founding sponsor, Jennifer Masanova, who, guess what she's got? A VCR. And is going to send it our way so that our This Day in the Basements can become more uh, disturbing. <laughs> Troubling. <laughs> I can't believe that worked. I can't believe you threw that into the ether and back comes a VCR. That is... Unbelievable. Well, I mean, since uh, it works, if if a moving van wants to just show up on October 15th with a crew of guys, then uh, awesome. I'll, I'll provide uh, the donuts. Or let's just cut to the chase. After COVID, <laughs> does anybody have a liver? That would be most useful. Oh, man. Wow. A liver. Wow. Well, that is that was specific. amazing. That was specific. Our, oh, because you've been drinking. Okay, I'm putting it all together. Okay. See, because it's a, it's a, it's very complex. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh my goodness. Well, we, uh, we do have amazing listeners. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> insane. Awesome. 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 All right. Well, it is time to move on and hop into the time machine back to May 14th, the year 2000. And it brings up our eternal question, what were you doing? This day in the basement. Oh, I'm seeing it live. Look at that. So we'll do it live. Uh, do it live. It's going to freeze. It's definitely going to break. Uh, something's going to break. Well, you know what? Sometimes you just jump in with both feet. But, uh, you know, just remember if it's high enough, the water turns to concrete. So be careful. Uh, so, yeah, folks, we're going to start down a, a sort of. Uh, journey here. Uh, May 14th, we're five days shy of what will be May 19th, the year 2000, will be my dad's last birthday. Mm. And it, it got me thinking, actually, I went for a walk yesterday, 
And I was thinking about it to talk about, to kind of think about what I wanted to say in this uh, area. Um, actually, I popped this photo up real quick because we have a pic of, it's in that time period. Now, my dad, he, he aged very quickly his last few years um, because he had uh, gone through a quadruple bypass. He had mouth cancer. He had then had, oh man, what was the other thing? All kinds of stuff uh, that he just kept getting better about. My cat's freaking out behind me. And yeah, there's the Cece and Didi are having a having a show back. They're there. having a row, yeah. And uh, initially, what ends up getting him? I'll give spoiler alert: is he gets uh, he cr- climbs out on the roof uh, because there was a frisbee up there, and we were like, no, 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 don't worry about it. But he climbs through my mom's bedroom onto the roof and gets a cut on his finger, which gets infected which turns septic, which then his, he's, he was also a type two diabetic, type one diabetic his whole life, whichever, I, I, whichever type is you're on three things of insulin every day, one or two, I, I can't two. remember. Yeah. And all of his systems just start shutting down. They start like, they, they say this happens to many diabetics. They just start kind of amputating parts of his, it, it was just got ugly. And then eventually renal failure, speaking of, uh, uh, organs giving out his, uh, his kidneys shut down. And that was sort of, that's what we're going to get next year. Um, but this last year, this last sort of time since his birthday through the summer early next year, things were okay still. And yeah, I was going through a lot of trials and tribulations in my life, but my dad was still like, because I didn't know what I was, I didn't really have a lot of direction, but he would often take me to work with him. He owned a company and, and he was also really supportive. I do a couple of shows this summer and into the next year. Hopefully, I'll have some video. Thanks, Jennifer Masanova. And he was always there, always championing me, always being supportive. And I, I thought, if I think back to like the the plight of dads everywhere, and this was his last birthday. He didn't know that, of course, that this would be his last year to live. He died, uh, but a f- three days before his next birthday. Oh, and I can't remember a goddamn present I ever bought my dad. Really? You know what I mean? Like, you know, dad's Father's Day, whatever, you get a tie, you get this. Dad's, yeah, you get a tie, you get a At least in my experience, in my experience, my growing up, and, you know, dad's sort of, we lived in a really quote-unquote traditional sort of upbringing. Dad went to work, mom stayed at home. But mom, because she stayed at home, was like the parent, right? She, dad, right. Uh, didn't, I don't remember. The, the things I remember about my dad are like the times we got to spend time together. He, my dad didn't, he was too busy. He was one of those dads. I didn't, he didn't teach me to play football or baseball or any of those things. He didn't teach me to ride a bike. Those memories I had with other people. But what I'm happy about is at least 20 some years later, uh, or however long it's been, 2001, 19 years later, the, the prevailing memories that stick with me are is good stuff. Now he was, he could be a bastard and he, uh, he was never abusive, but he could be verbally scary. You know, Yeah. that's how he sort of, uh, disciplined was yelling and making you feel like a piece of crap. But that stuff didn't, it, though it affected me and, and as, and as, as turned me into, it has given me some issues. It doesn't stick with me in the top of my brain. It's the good stuff. And, yeah. uh, I'm going to do my best as we talk about these things moving forward to, to, to highlight a lot of the good stuff. Uh, but also it's going to probably be a little bit of therapy. I figured, uh, since I'm not having the one-on-one therapy sessions because of COVID, but, uh, so, so buckle up is what I guess I'm saying. I'm going to talk about it. I think for the, to the best of my knowledge. 
Yeah. Well, I'm. I, I'm. I hope you do. Because I, I. I think it. It is important. I mean, because you know, the, your personal experience. I think is is important for you to, for you personally to share, and I think it's valuable to other people. But I also think like these, these issues are universal in one way or another. There's always a piece of this that right. applies. You know, and I. I think about my father, who you know, luckily is still with us, and I. But I, you know, I go back and I think about our history together, when of course it's it's complex and and continue, you know, perpetually evolving, and and it's I feel like I imagine that your relationship with your father has developed and changed over the last nineteen years as much as mine has, mm. because the relationship, you know, I obviously my relationship with my father changes based on what's happening interpersonally. But as I get older, as I grow into adulthood and start being ages that I remember he was. Yeah. Uh, and, and I start to, you know, context change and I change. And, and so I, I'm almost like my relationship with him in the past has changed almost as much as my relationship with him in the present. Yeah. I think you, you, you you garner a great deal of empathy or at least understanding as you become an adult yourself and realize oh we, so grown-ups are just making this shit up as they go along whereas as a yeah. kid you know parents are infallible for the most part they they know all and for me the my relationship with my dad was truncated right at the part the precipice of where the adult relationship as i don't want to say peers but more so peers fellow adults would have developed. And so the big difference for me is that I develop a, uh, my relationship with him now is based on understanding and assuming some of the circumstances he was going through. While he was going through all these health issues, he was also trying to figure out how to fucking support a full family in in real time. You know what I mean? It was- a single income too, right? Right. He wasn't, and there was no pennies- to be left to us. It wasn't like, a, oh, I'm setting up the house so that when I finally go, because in his brain, he was never going. Um, in right. fact, you know, I, I don't remember when it was. I know it's in this last year, so I'll share it during this segment. So he, he the construction company he owned uh, with a partner uh, was a, a, a facade refacing. So they would use concrete, and they had these artisans who would make your the ex, outside of your house look like wood or <clears throat> or stone or you know brick facing stone facing all kinds of things whatever but using you wanted, concrete yeah. right so it was a so it was a, a lifetime warranty but it was much more aesthetic and it was never the most expensive i mean it was never the cheapest it was always very expensive right. <clears throat> but he was such a good salesman that he could he he was incredible had he stayed just a salesman he would have been so wealthy but he's like me he he didn't like to work for people and so he bought the company and and wasn't great <laughs> as a owner of a company and so it it, it different skill yeah. yeah so anyway i'll never forget the the year before he had one of his moments of vulnerability he was we were sitting on my brother's bed uh, i don't know why we were in there but i remember we were sitting on my brother's bed and he's talking to me and he goes so there's a prison in in, in philadelphia uh greater for a prison giant prison facility in pennsylvania outside of philly and he was Cautious, cautiously excited and he goes I think I'm going to land this deal and we're going to be doing the entire facade of the prison and it's going to be a huge 
It could Whoa. be like a million dollar deal. And he was really looking forward to it and really psyched. And in my brain, I wasn't thinking, even as a, as a teenager, I wasn't thinking, oh, we're going to have money, right? right? I remember thinking this would be such a win for him to like, to, to get this uh. win. And uh, yeah, just uh, ti- the timing, did, the sand fell through the hourglass, you know? Ugh. Well, that's gonna be an interesting year. I <laughs> yeah, I. It's funny, dude. I I don't know that I've been emotional about this stuff, but a handful of times over the years, like a commercial or a mm. movie hits me the right way. But when you really start talking about it, uh, it's it it's it's all still there. It's all still there. Of course yeah. it is. Of course it is. And that's you know that relationship. I think particular fathers and sons. It's so foundational that every little piece you carry with you in everything and everything you do. Interesting. All right. Well, stay tuned. We will, yeah, uh, we'll definitely continue that conversation as we go. Um, uh, far less seriously over in Rochester, <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, finishing up my sophomore year at college and this, and the end of sophomore year means juries again. Oh yes. Second so jury. I was, Going through my sophomore jury, which started to be a little bit more serious than the freshman jury. Freshman jury is like, eh, are you still, are you like technically doing it? Okay, fine. You can get through. Same sophomore tuxedo was, though. Same suit, right? Uh, yeah. Did I wear, I don't know. I don't think I had a suit. I had full tails, like white, like white, cum, uh, white uh, cummerbund and, and bow tie tuxedo. I did not wear that for the jury. I don't a good question i think i'd like dressed up a little bit might have had a tie but i didn't really have a lot of dress clothes in between like you know cargo shorts and a t-shirt and full tails <laughs> that was i just there's nothing in between uh, i wish somebody could do an artist a, a court a courthouse a courtroom rendering of that look oh it's really quite something i, I i'll find pictures of it somewhere <laughs> um but uh i was up in uh we were up in the uh in the annex doing doing these with the so the whole voice faculty was there and i think sophomore year was uh german so i think i did some uh some german leader that kind of stuff and then i did an aria i don't i might have done french but french is more junior i really don't remember exactly what i did but it scared the shit out of me but somehow they let me through the lazy uh singer that i was and boy, do I have a story come senior year. Oh, I, I can't wait. Killed. I, be, before my senior recital, which is like the whole thing. The whole of, ball game, uh, right? Yeah. The whole ball game there. Uh, I almost killed my voice teacher with my lack of preparation. And uh, he was like, I want to kill myself after my rehearsal. So we'll tell, tell that story. Uh, but this was actually the end of my current voice teacher's tenure, too. So uh, Dale Moore uh, left the school after this year, and I had a different voice teacher for my uh, junior and senior years. Uh, Did you kind of gel with all of your voice teachers? Did you find that each one of them offered you something different, or were there some that you really kind of hold to a higher esteem? That's a good question. I've had, I think all the voice teachers that I've had have been very good teachers. Um, I'm not sure I gelled fully with either of my teachers in college. Um, 
But I think it wasn't it wasn't really their fault. I think it was I wasn't necessarily gelling with what we were doing. Um because I think just my heart and my priorities just weren't in the classical right. world. And I was just sort of there because I could, not because I wanted to. And they didn't always understand that. And they didn't understand what I wanted to do. Um, both of my voice teachers referred to any <laughs> musical theater as musical comedy. Didn't matter if I was singing like Gethsemane from Superstar, like Jesus is dying on the cross. Like, oh, you want you want to do the musical comedy number? And it was just like, I don't know how to help you with this. This is some weird space music. And I'm like, I just know what I want to do. So that was always uh that was always an issue. But um It was never the anyway. other way. Do you notice that too? I, I've noticed with all the teachers I studied with too, before moving into the the musical theater. Uh, the opera world or the classically the classical voice world always look down their nose at the musical world musical theater world but never the reverse no never the reverse no 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 for sure no and i and that was i always bristled against that i just i really didn't like that and my my high school teacher um who was a is a tremendous voice teacher who actually split his time in vermont teaching us like random hicks and he was uh, he was on the faculty at Circle in the Square in New York City and taught a lot of you know legitimate clients there. He uh, was the one that convinced me to go into classical, but he was a musical theater guy, right. and so um, and I thought, to be perfectly honest, I use his technique more than I did the classical technique that I learned, and I, I figured out what I was trying to do in college after college. Like the actual tenor tessitura, I couldn't figure out how to really sing a G if you're a, a singer. Like I couldn't, I couldn't really get it right until after college. I was just fucking around using my old teacher's uh, Bill Reed's technique, and I'm like, oh wait, is that it? Oh god! So it like five years later, I finally understood what the hell I was trying to do. So. You know, often anyway, too, last thing I, I want to say, we're going all over the place today, but... We are truly all over the place, yeah. I think back to my first and really only guitar... Well, not not only, but my first guitar teacher. And I was such a pain in the ass. I mean, I'm a kid. I'm between, you know, I'm in like early middle school through the beginning of high school. And I had this teacher, Dan Spolin, his name was. And I didn't want to practice. I didn't want to like learn notes and stuff. I was like, just teach me the songs I like. And I remember being such a pain in the ass. But... It's affected the rest of my life. I mean, for the better. Mm. And and you also forget too when you're studying with someone that they're not just normally just teachers. They're usually somebody paying the bills by teaching. Right. Sure. Who are also performers. And it, it's been one of the joys of my life now in this current age, especially during quarantine, to revisit on YouTube via YouTube that that guy Dan Spolin, who changed my life as a teacher, is mm. a prolific online youtube guitar guy because he's incredible really? you know what i'll put it in the show notes uh, because oh, cool. yeah you forget you know this guy wasn't just somebody who did something for you they live their own life they're doing their own thing they could probably right. lose the bump the the oopsie bump of the one viewer that i can i can push his yeah. way <laughs> and it's you <laughs> no well, and, yeah right well and it's, it's fascinating to to make the transition to being someone who is now teaching and and just it's sort of the same thing with like being a parent and a child and being the teacher and the student. You realize, oh wait, no, this is not what I thought this person's right like 
point of view was on this. And uh, anyway, very interesting. We will uh, we will we'll discuss more such important things. But we're all here for a reason, and it ain't to hear us talk about voice lessons. We are here to talk about May 14th, the year 2000, and... This day in the bay. That's the wrong cue. That's the wrong cue! We really meant this one. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcast's This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. What? Are you saying we're not going to get the weather this week? Nope. No weather this week. Boo! But I will tell you what's up. Oh, it's still going, baby. It's still going. We are, of course, listening to yet another cover of Santana's Maria Maria. This song was a banger. Let's all, I mean, you don't need me to tell you, but it's true. I didn't even know it existed before this podcast, but I'm totally on board now. The cover of the Burlington Free Press talked about lawmakers approving budget. So don't worry, back in 2000, the budget, local budget for Vermont got passed. Congratulations, good for them. I'm sure Governor Howard Dean played a role in that. The top movie was the Sorry. Yeah. What was the top? Talk to me about the tops. The top movie was Gladiator in its second week of domination. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? This was, of course, Fabio Rodriguez playing and singing. Uh, What a talented dude. Found him on the YouTubes as one does. Which brings us to the most essential, essential bumper or uh, segment we do entitled... It's time, it's time, 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 it's time for sports. The Philadelphia Flyers played the Devils in the first game of the Eastern Conference Finals in Philadelphia. Scott Niedermeyer kicked off the scoring 55 seconds into the first period, giving the Devils the early lead. Mark Recchi and the Flyers tied it up before Peter Sikora and Bobby Holik scored also all in the first period. Inglorious douchebag Claude Lemieux put the dagger in the Flyers with a final goal with five minutes remaining. The Devils took the game, took game one of the series 4-1. to one. Keith was... Sad. Well, Keith being sad should go forward because if uh, my Googling and uh, updates that get beamed to me way too frequently on my iPhone have anything to say about it, Keith, both of the hockey teams we are following are getting their asses handed directly to them. Uh, I don't want to talk about Keith, it. If you're so down depressed. 3-1 with the Boston Bruins and I'm down 2-1 to one with the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm... Uh, Oh, I'm so sad. I'm gonna watch us finish out our mis- our sad, sad end to our season tonight. Ugh. Yeah, it's not the greatest. Yeah, not the greatest at all. But you never know. Hope springs internal. Internal? Let. It's a it's a line from a show that I did called Take oh. One. It's really very funny. Jeff Ward, SNL comedy writer, was uh wrote the book. Thanks, Jeff. Or, he wrote all of it. Very talented guy. Anyway. Okay, so 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 are we are we not doing the weather? There was weather. I was a little preoccupied at the time celebrating the, my father's birthday, Keith. So you know, get off my back about it. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, how many times are you gonna throw your father 
in my face every time. I can't throw him anywhere, Keith. He's passed away. <laughs> I can't throw my dead father, you jerk. And keep bringing it up. I'm going to make a bumper about it. Things, you know, I love this podcast, but it, things have turned dark in recent weeks. Says oh my. founding sponsor so and so. Yeah, boy, yeah. The uh, the old the uh, the only inheritance you got was guilt that you could throw <laughs> on other people. You had a guilt shield. Uh, would he be proud of me? I don't know. Uh, he, you run a podcast for free, so my guess is no. <laughs> I I don't. I feel based on what I know about him, he would definitely proud be proud of you for finding a way to make it useful to you. Yeah, that's a very good point. Use your resources, he would say. That's right. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we've wasted a great deal of your time and I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not gonna take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Man, that top note is awesome. Oh, well, thank you. This episode, of course, is season four, episode 21, entitled Honorable Man. It was written by David E. Kelly solo for the first time in a few weeks Good and directed you, by veteran director Dennis Smith, who last directed Day in Court, which leaves us with only one question. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this thing. what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? Wait. Yeah, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Oh. <laughs> well, Keith, we're almost to the season finale. I believe that's next week, correct? It, it is. Which means we've got to up the stakes. We've got to reel some people back in. I'm thinking about Honorable Man. Who's somebody that could come back? into the fold and and we could use the gravitas of their honor and i'm mm, thinking mm, mm. raymond oz okay so i'm thinking we have a case of high stakes where bobby is reaching the end of his rope as to how to proceed and so he has to visit raymond oz in prison uh uh, Silence of the Lamb style. In, Although, to be fair, uh, Raymond Oz got himself off and is not uh, in prison. Yes. But maybe he's visiting. Uh, well, he's visiting him wherever he is. Like, uh, yes. still still Silence of the Lamb style, like Jodie Foster visiting, right? Right, so he's going to be in a cage somehow. So he's going to come across a caged Raymond Oz. A cage of his own guilt, Keith. Cage um, of oh. his own guilt. All right. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And I he's going to have to sit in a chair... To speak to Raymond Oz, ah. and Raymond will help Bobby, even though he goes through a couple of like episodes where he's like, "Who are you? Why are you here?" He comes to it enough in order to to convince Bobby or help Bobby come up with the correct strategy to uh, solve the case. Okay, well, you know what I love most about that was thinking that the connection between the chair is that someone sat in a chair. Uh, that the most interesting thing that happened in this episode was somebody sat in a chair. Well, I mean, but it's upside down, so that's that's got to be something, right? Yeah. Well, stay tuned. 
Okay. And now it's time for you to hop over to your podcasting service of choice. Click on the QR code right there over Eugene and listen to us jabber over the episode. But come back for the oopsies. I'm concerned now because it's not Bobby in this picture, which tells me that if uh, my prediction was correct, it, it wouldn't be Eugene. But but I'm sticking by it. I'm standing by it as an honorable man would do. I think you're sitting by it. Mm, upside down. This is a chair. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back after this episode of the Out of Practice <laughs> <laughs> After our non-existent ad. Season four, episode 21, The Honorable Man. They turned it down. So now what? We either try it or we up the offer. I think we could make it go away for 175. 175 would break me. I got no coverage for this, Jimmy. I know. If we go to trial... Jury's already sworn and it would be two or three days. It's only going to cost you my time, which... I don't mean the cost of the trial. I'm asking, what do we win? I don't know, Peter. Legally, what you did was an invasion of privacy. He has a deadly disease. And we'll certainly argue that. I'm just telling you... I'm it's not nice sure to know that the been. office recently changed the water cooler. Looks fresh. That, that's good, yeah. You want to stay hydrated. Let's go to trial. All right, let's find out. Guy Jimmy is defending in a civil case. Guy Jimmy clearly did not offer a glass of water to because the water jug was full to the brim. It- <laughs> Jimmy's so rude, he's hogging all the water for himself. So... The parched actor is Tom LaGrua from Home Improvement, ER, NYPD Blue, Caroline in the City, and the famous Teddy Z. And we see uh, Jimmy in a rare situation of representing the defendant in a civil case, as opposed to Jimmy the Grunt going after somebody. Caroline in the City. Was that Caroline Ray? No, no. Uh... What was that? Hold on. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to be the better podcast. Okay. Well, we'll continue on while you do some legwork. Leah Thompson. Why should I take that? Leah Thompson. That's that life. Was Murder too. Why should I take that? That's life. I'm not necessarily So now Eugene and Lindsay are I'm in lockup with another involved. client. Plus, with Murder 2, murder there two. is some murder, possibility murder. of parole. Murder 1. They'll kill me in prison. I know what happens to people like me. They'll kill me. I know what happens. You have to beat this, Mr. Young. Well, uh, what is he, a child diddler? I don't think I will. The woman you killed... I didn't! Allegedly killed. She was the daughter of a college chancellor. It's got a lot of publicity, and they don't assign Helen Gamble cases for her charm. You have to take care of this. Actually, don't know any context here. Just want to say, yeah. already in this performance, what I appreciate about it is that very often we see our clients really upset with, I didn't do it, you know, this is a lot of television, not just this show. I didn't do it. Uh, I don't want to go to prison for something I didn't do, which is obviously a concern you would have. For me, I would though, imagine, yes. For me, what I think often, especially when I'm watching shows like World's Most Dangerous Prisons and things like that, or Lock Up or Lock Up Raw, I'm really into prison shows, Keith. Um, Apparently. It's always like people freaking out being like, I don't want to fucking go to prison. Like, they're going to they're gonna a- a- attack me, rape me, uh 
depending on my specific crime, I'm gonna have to join a gang. Like just the prison ecosystem would be scaring the shit out of me. Forget about my innocence or guilt, but just like the idea of going to prison, it, it, like his nerves right here, his sort of panic is something we don't see a lot. Yeah, and I, I mean, I certainly feel like I would be pretty uh, terrified of prison as well. Although I do understand, like I have, uh, my Achilles heel emotionally is a sense of injustice. Mm. So like being falsely accused, I think would just like ping my, my particular damage in such a way I would lose my fucking mind about just the unfairness of it. Well, wait till you found out that I'm the star witness for the prosecution. Oh, I, I would assume that. To make them see that I didn't do it. Even so, you have to realize how it looks. The police discovered you having sex with but her. But she was already dead. How many times do I have to say it? So you just found a dead woman in a dumpster and decided to have sex with her. Yes. And you have to ah, make them see that. What a fun episode. I ain't going down for murder, So too. just to recap, because I took my eyes off the screen for just a second, just want to confirm. What did you miss the entire point? No, no, no. He had sex with a dead body he found in a dumpster or he had sex with a woman who then became a dead body in a dumpster. Oh no, he is being very clear. She was dead first. Well, okay. <laughs> All right, look, uh, we're gonna have some clothes sent over for you to wear at trial. We're gonna need you to take a shower. Why? Because you stink, Mr. Dixon, you reek. You think I'm some kind of animal? Yeah. That's what you think. I'm a human being. Who has sex Mr. with dumpster corpses. human being. <laughs> with dumpster corpses. As opposed to, you know, the classier corpse. Right. You know, your medical examiner corpse is like a high class Oh, corpse. oh yeah. They, what, far more elegant. Yeah, indeed. Uh, meanwhile, we can say... Uh, this charming gentleman is played by Alan Davidson from SVU Golding, Golding, Guiding Light, CSI, and Rounders. Okay. So here we are representing only, only the nicest clients, the most elegant, most beautiful clients. Salt of the earth, corpse bangers. Yeah. The liberal media tries to make you feel bad about stuff like this, but we in America, we have freedom. So you're saying that your last girlfriend dumped you? No, no, no. I'm saying that I found my last girlfriend as a corpse in a dumpster. Sorry, you confused my uh, I don't think yeah. syntax. So you dumped her? No, no, no. She me. was dumped by someone else. Fangs out. Oh, you have no idea. Can I ask, does Lindsay really need to be on this? Is that a strategic question? Or more, you don't want her sitting next to the guy? Probably the latter, I admit. I'm okay. It's a court appointment. Yeah. We have about, to give him a defense. How about we you don't have let her speak for herself? Attorneys. She's I right there in the room. The table helps. That's a, a, that's a pretty sexist beat from Bobby there. That's time, Keith. We haven't rolled this bumper in a while, but it is absolutely time. Oh, for sure. We're having an office meeting. It is time to contemplate the answer to one of God's greatest mysteries. What the hell is Lucy wearing? Well, it appears to be some sort of leopard print, half mesh tank top situation with big hoop earrings, purple hair, and some sort of, oh, I thought that was a satchel, but it's not, it's her over the shoulder phone holder. phone holder. 
Yeah, I would describe it more as like camouflage. She looks like she's in like a sexy duck hunting outfit. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Sexy duck hunting outfit, much more specific. And this was <laughs> What the Hell is Lucy's Wearing? Our number. Some DJ is telling his listeners to call us and tell us we're scum. Oh, great. We already knew that. I'm going to shut down the phone Good for the morning. Morning, so Eleanor. Let's everybody take their cellulars. Jimmy, how you doing? Cellulars. Yep, you're off at the 125. He turned yeah, us 90s. down. Trial starts today. I'd go higher. Don't start. He revealed the guy's medical condition. He didn't fire well, the guy. He, he quit. After with our 50. client sent out a memo telling the whole world. The guy has AIDS, Rebecca. His co-worker. He also has a right to privacy. And well, they the have a right to be fear, sorry. Enough for the argument. 125 is a line in the sand. We start trial today. And P.S. Um, I don't think it's ever a wrong time to re-mention just how great that fucking movie is. Oh, Philadelphia? Oh, God. It's a absolute... I'm. You know, I haven't seen it in so long because I, I don't like re-watching sad movies. Yeah, I hear you. But I, I should go back and watch that again. It's so, so fucking good. good. You know, I'm in the minority that I think more often than not, Denzel is too much. He, I just mm-hmm. find him to be too much. Tom Hanks, I always adore but in that movie it's the perfect marriage of the two yeah no and like denzel is such a good actor to cast in that role Mm -hmm. just like the energy he gives off really supports his character's initial place and and the transition is all the more meaningful anyway great movie guys uh enjoy our philadelphia podcast hot take philadelphia is a good movie hmm known Peter Hines since high school. Note He's from n- 1993. Right. You need second chair? Thanks, I'll pass on the chairs here. You're personalizing. Cellulars. We're scum today, guys. Cellulars. You're scum today, guys, did you How say? Did Mr. Hines even find out you yeah, had AIDS? All of the uh, press has been talking about him. He owns the company. He somehow found out when I was first diagnosed three years ago. But he didn't Why tell the other employees that Philadelphia came out in 93 on the top yes. of my head. He suddenly decided no, to circulate an inner office memo to all employees, which total about 90. Did he give you an explanation as to why he did this? Yeah, concern for their health. And what happened, Mr. Mayfield, after this memo was circulated? I began to be treated differently. Some people acted like I had the plague. Others, they were overtly hostile. I mean, I was no longer welcome to play on our basketball team. We have an inner office accountant league, and uh, I was invited to stay home. I mean, is this the ac- actual so plot to Philadelphia? To it is the actual yes. plot to Philadelphia. Uh, it wasn't totally but while we're stopped, though, there are some Wanna be Tom Hanks? You didn't lose quite enough weight to be Tom Hanks in Philadelphia, but pretty close. This is Jim Peary, who does a ton of voiceover work. He played Angela Bronte in Red Dead 2. He was in Wolfenstein 2, Final Fantasy, Victoria's Shake It Up, World of Warcraft, Providence, and one of my 90s favorites, Lois and Clark. God, I loved Lois and Clark too. And that's our mm. sixth podcast in the queue. And yeah, right. also, we've never discussed Red Dead 2 together since I finished it, finally. Oh, you did? All I right, did. well, well, we'll talk about that in another time. Oh, my time. God damn. God damn. friends. Arthur Morgan. Some people who assault me with their sympathy. Dutch. They offer Dutch. me the names of very support groups. Um, what do you want, Dutch? I think they're God the worst. damn it, Micah! I mean, there's nothing okay, more oppressive than a well-meaning sympathizer on the loose. Mr. Mayfield, how was it no longer tolerable to work there? Well, 
I went from being an accountant in good standing, you know, one who enjoyed a camaraderie with my co-workers, to being the one with AIDS, the sick one. But you are the sick one, aren't you, Mr. Little Mayor? fan. I don't prefer to see myself that way. I understand that, sir. Antique fire extinguisher. And that's your right. But you have a fatal disease, don't you? Empty coat hook. Yes. And this disease is infectious, isn't it? It doesn't spread by inner office. The disease is infectious, is it not, Mr. Mayfield? Through sexual intercourse and needle use, but not casual office contact. Well, the spread is not limited to sex and needle use. That isn't true, is it, Mr. Mayfield? Those are the most common ways it is spread. It could be spread from kissing, if they were open-mouthed sores. I wasn't going around kissing. Or if people had cuts on their hands. I never went to work with cuts on my hands. But I... what if you accidentally did cut yourself? What if you took an elbow playing basketball, got a nosebleed? The risks that you're talking about are so minimal. But does that mean it's your right to assume them on behalf of everybody else? A fatal disease which is infectious. Shouldn't it be a person's right to choose whether he plays in a sport of physical contact with you? If I had a cut on my hand, I'd probably like to know which of my colleagues at work have AIDS. Does that make me crazy? The problem, Mr. Berluti, is that there are prejudices and bigotries that go beyond health issues when it comes to people with AIDS. My client didn't fire you, did he? Well, he may as well have. But he didn't. They always put Jimmy no. on this side of these issues. Well, this is clearly going to be a... Jimmy is a bigoted dumb-dumb and learns a lesson episode. We should talk about this for a second, though. Because... Sorry, I was caught up in the uh, monstrosity of the shitty extras pretending to be a pool of reporters. Yeah, it, it, this is an, an interesting case. I mean, uh, it clearly just like is Philadelphia cut and paste. But it, all, it also, I, I think it, it, it brings to mind how far we've come on this in the last 20 years in terms of just sort of like the AIDS panic, the HIV panic that was, I you know certainly remember from that time. And yet I don't even think about it anymore. Yeah. And like, you know, we have several friends who are HIV positive and you don't even consider it. Like it's, it's really just not that, I mean, obviously it's a very big deal, but in terms of like the, the panic over transmission, that kind of stuff, we've just sort of, is we've learned it just really isn't a thing. Yeah. And, and so it, and it feels oddly dated. It speaks to the exceptional, the global exceptionalism uh, of what we can accomplish when we stop obfuscating the truth from, you know, propaganda and lies and actually fund research into things that deserve it. We can actually overcome gigantic things that were gaping wounds. Uh, but, you know, that said, if you look back into history, <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, well, we're uh, sort but, of running that same track. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's it, the thing is, we had really smart, hardworking doctors back then. Uh, so it's it's different now because because um, back then we had a guy. His name was uh, Oh Tony Fauci, who sort of uh, made all of that. Ha oh, is he still the guy? Yeah. Oh shit! Damn, hot take. Keith's hot take. Hot take. Her name was Hillary Brennan. She was a second-year copywriter at Rogers and Cole. She worked downtown and would like to walk home after work to her townhouse in the South End. A 
Friends describe her in many wonderful ways, but generous and charitable are two words that had become almost synonymous with her name. She would never pass a homeless person without offering something. That was said by her roommate. Well, she should have passed this one, ladies and gentlemen. The evidence will show that of Alex course, Dixon the raped judge and on this strangled case is Holland Taylor. Strangled her to death. The evidence will show that this man it's nice to see Helen. I can't believe I've said that. continued to rape her after she was dead. Hmm. He was still on top of her lifeless body, raping the corpse when Officer Mark Frierson discovered him. This is... This is the ugly part of criminal law. We deal with crimes that... Fortunately, at least this one is simple. I won't have to take up too much of your time with the ugliness. You, you know, say that now. Usually, you it's don't a know win. our firm. Usually, it's a win if you just get you know pleaded down from uh, from murder to aggravated assault. In this case, the big win would be you're pleading down from murder to raping a dead body. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's not ever anything I hope to plead down to. It's one you want to avoid. The mm-hmm. ugly part of criminal law is when you convict the wrong person. Alex Dixon had sex with Hillary Brennan's lifeless body, but he didn't kill her. <laughs> things You're certainly Lindsay, entitled Lindsay didn't to think be disgusted by this man. Thing, things you, you concede in your opening statement. Unless the evidence supports <laughs> that finding, and it won't. Because somebody else off. killed Hillary yeah. Brennan. It wasn't Over, Alex Dixon. Yeah. yeah, it's too, too bright behind, not enough light in front. How long um, after you got the call did you find him? About an hour, maybe a little less. There's a back alley behind Washington. It isn't lit. I decided to go and check it. And what did you find? I heard some activity over behind a large dumpster. I headed that way, shined my light. There he was. There who was? Him. The defendant. Could you Cop see what he Ash was doing? Rueka? He was engaged in sexual intercourse with a nude female body. I ordered him to get off the woman and lie on the ground face down. At which point I handcuffed him. I then went to check on the woman. Better than she was up. dead. Did you check to see whether the body was warm or cold? Keith, I'll say I want to say this was, for myself. Oh no! Come on. Also, I I accidentally jumped. Oh way god, too. you're out of control. Um, I think I got back somewhat close. Yes, you, tell us a little bit a little bit about yourself and necrophilia. So, uh, I read a really interesting book. I wish I could remember it. That dealt. V- about a um, a case about a um, a guy who worked in the morgue and was found to have desecrated hundreds of bodies. Um, and this is one of those things. Now, I have a weirdly curious, like a morbid, sort of dark curiosity mind type mind. Oh, we uh, know that by now. Yeah. And this is one of those things where I have a lot of, like, not interesting, uh, bizarre questions about just sort of the practicality of this exercise, the the actual motions of it. Um, but I I can speak to some sort of like maturity slash, I, I now have a, a lot of children in my life, you know, extended family. 
that I'm somehow I able really to really like, can't wait to find out where the end of the sentence is going. Where I've actually put some, I've put a moratorium in my brain of like, this is not an avenue you're going to explore. Like your idle curiosities of the of the minutia of it are are going to have to remain sealed. That's all I'm saying. Interesting. I just. It's an interesting choice. Okay, fair enough. Like the mechanics seem weird to me. The why of it, like the deviate, like where the I'm more interested, I guess, in like what is this person like? Where does this come from? Like you know, this would be one for any of our uh, listeners or uh, future listeners who really do uh, work in psychiatry. Like where does this stem? Like what is the general impetus of this sort of uh, weird uh, misfunction? Well, I would imagine, as with many things in this world, it's a probably about power. Because in that situation, you sort of have absolute power, right? Not to mention sort of like the shame aspect of like yeah. the wrongness of it. Yeah, I'm not talking now. I'm I'm not talking about people who murder and then rape the dead bodies. Like that's a no, whole, no. But I but I yeah. but I mean that I mean that even even just in the necro. I can't believe this we're having this conversation. Well, but even in the necrophilia part of right. it, like it's. It, it is a situation where you have absolute power. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. There he was. Right in, folks. Yeah, Tell works. us your thoughts on necrophilia. Him. The defendant. Could you see what he was doing? I couldn't unsee it. He was engaged in sexual intercourse with a nude female body. I ordered him to get off the woman and lie on the ground face down, at which point I handcuffed him. I then went to check on the woman. She was dead. Did you check to see whether the body was warm or cold? Mm. It was still warm. Certainly relevant as this case is about she whether he murdered her first. Well, in the if we assume that our client is innocent, let's say, or not innocent, uh, how about didn't do the murder? Yes. If you are a functioning necrophiliac, talk about a banner mm -hmm. day. Right? It's like a lottery ticket. Yeah, you're just like walking down an alley and you're like, oh, well, damn. That's like a fully like f hot, fresh pizza that you didn't order <laughs> just got delivered to your door by accident. <laughs> I'm definitely pulling that sound clip. <laughs> well, damn, it's a corpse I can have sex with. Then you I have to go so. looking for did it. Did you see my client kill her? No, I did not, but she hadn't been dead for very long. Excuse me. Did you see my client like a hot, kill her? fresh pizza was the quote. No. Any thumb or fingerprints or bruise indentations that matched up with my client? No. We might get a strike for you Nintendo. I'm wearing a, a, the a woman Mario hat. Garbage. And Nintendo's like, we don't want yes. any of those any words mixed with that, that image. That's true. She was probably in the dumpster. Nobody wants any, anything to do Thank with us. No, that's true. Big fan. Ooh, where is this B-roll? I think she was hiding in the dumpster. Awesome. Get away from them. Why don't you argue that? Underexposed here, too, it. huh? Steak is so tough. Have you guys set a date yet? It's also hard to tell. June 17th. Yeah. Old invitations go out next week. Okay, okay and then see if we can see anybody fake eating or coffee. fake whining. You'll be the first to know, Helen. Of course I will. The wedding is coming up. Feel suspicious for a season finale. A wedding? A baby? She's already got me pregnant. Well, how do you take these cases and then go home? The judge assigned it, hell. I know, but you could have... What's the point? Eugene's pissed. Shocker. I didn't mean anything, Eugene. I was just asking. I'm sick of people asking that question. It's a stupid question. 
We get it everywhere we go. You think about that? I don't expect to be getting it from a DA. Eugene. Especially when we're supposed to be having a nice dinner as friends. A totally fair point, Eugene. Okay. Plus, we're tired Sorry. of this conversation. Also, is it ethical for them to be discussing this case when they're on opposite sides of a murder case over dinner? Excuse me. Is it ethical for the scoring to be so loud and aggressive right now? All of our scoring is too loud and aggressive. That's a very good point. Way to go, Helen. The Debbie yeah, Downer Helen. of the practice. Yeah, geez. We're having a lovely dinner talking about necrophilia and you gotta Eugene be a downer. Eugene barely touched his $200 steak. Yeah, right. This eyewitness is pretty much their whole case, so if there's- He's a liar. Billy Pig's never told the truth his whole life. About nothing. If I hadn't have found that girl first, you would have been right there, taking his poke. You could quote me on Close. that. I don't believe I will. Alex, <laughs> I we need facts to trip up Mr. Bix. He's a liar. That's a fact. Yes, Can well, you give us specific incidents of his lying? Right here, he's lying about this. I was never with that girl alive. He's lying about this. That creep's got a nice suit. Okay. He does. Have you noticed, Keith, in the back of the shot here, above Eugene's head, we're at... Yeah. How long? Man, stop, you Hulu. Oh, 1309. Yeah. There's like this lockbox. A lockbox. I want to know what is in that lockbox. Put Medicare in the lockbox. Good question. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? We'll see you in the courtroom. Yes, he is. Right there. Is that like I Chekhov's box? You have to see what's in it. Taking this boat, that's where you have found Billy Pig's just fine out of jealousy. That's what he's doing. I mean, as far as sort of like kooky necrophiliacs go, go he's that, doing a great Eugene. job. The eyewitness is motivated by jealousy because he didn't get to take yeah. his poke with the corpse. This is all funny to you? No. No, I'm, I'm just trying to remember certain words of advice I got from a senior associate. All right, writer Keith. Yeah. Well, you know the answer. So uh, this is more of a hypothetical, but. Okay. Eugene's behavior over the past two scenes, is it just him frustrated because he's on a shitty case, or does he have some personal reason to be a little bit more upset than the others? Well, certainly, they've laid it on a little thick, so it would be really bad writing not to have something motivating this change in his normal demeanor. I started practicing. In some cases, sense of humor is the only thing that'll get you through. Well, here's another piece of advice. Sooner or later, you're going to lose your sense of humor. Someone tells me Eugene would not what am be I a missing, fan Eugene? of this show. You've made a career out of defending like our shows. What's yeah. changed? Maybe I'm getting sick of it. What's up, Eugene? Come on. Sharon and I split again. Oh. There it is. I'm sorry. When? Three days ago, Kendall asked me the same question Helen did last night, and I couldn't answer it. Then she asked me later, we got into this big fight, and... See, I... Here I am. It's ground we've already gone through. They already broke up about this exact same thing. Oh, how can you defend a guy who had sex with a dumpster of a corpse? Or like, you know, how do you defend the bad guys or the douchebags or whatever? Like, we've done like 17 episodes on it, and we saw a turn from his ex um, understanding what why he's doing what he's doing, and now we're sort of like chasing our tail back in the same story. 
At least I mean, it happened true, off camera. It's true to life. I mean, that shit does Look, happen. But you're right. No, as far as like said, grand, the grand arc win, goes. Dramaturgically, no mistake like, about that. Why are we going in circles? We better get in. What did he say? I don't want to win. No, he does. He does want to win. He's he's going to win. Is what he said. I was at the corner of Washington and Boylston. It was about eight thirty or so. At night? Yes. <clears throat> that's when I saw him. Him being the defendant. That's correct. They definitely went to Creepsar us for this one. What woman, but sir? let's do. Creepy guy number two. Guy whose suit jacket reminds me of that hockey guy that I asked Keith about a few weeks ago. He used to like be on ESPN with hockey. Oh, uh, Barry Melrose. That, yes. Yes. Or the Canadian version, Don Cherry. In case Phoenix is from Canada, he'll know who I'm talking about. All right. This actor is Steph Duvall, who is the father of Clea Duvall. He was also in Woodstock, Ray Donovan, Credible, Criminal Minds, and True Blood. And he is billed in this episode as Stephen Duvall. That's right. the photographs. Could you tell what they were doing? Talking. Uh, I assume Alex was asking her for money. Uh, were they arguing or... No, no, no. As a matter of fact, she was smiling. Do you know the defendant? Uh, yes, I met him on the street many times. And you're definitely sure... Now, I do want to say, I understand, like, clearly not all homeless people are necrophiliacs or, like, street folk or whatnot, but... <laughs> yes, Jesus. <laughs> uh, but I do find it in sort of weird taste. Like, we get it, but both of the, our, like, both our client and also this gentleman on the stand, they make their hair sort of, like, uncombed and unkempt just to kind of, like, let you... Don't forget, even though he's got a suit jacket on, Keith, he's homeless. Yeah. It's, I don't yeah. like it. It's a little gross. I agree. No, I agree with you. That's a good point. Or it was him, this man, talking to Hillary Brennan that night. I'm positive. And you're sure it was around 8.30? Yes, I am. Thank you. What were you doing on the streets at 8.30, Mr. Bix? I was soliciting clients. Soliciting clients? You were panhandling? That's what some people call it. You pretty much live on the streets. I do. Did the prosecution buy you those nice clothes? Objection. When a witness testifies, he puts his demeanor into evidence. This witness has had part of his demeanor paid for by the prosecution. And exactly where did the defendant's outfit come from? From a charity who helps innocent people oh, wrongly Taylor charged said crime. Objection all right, moved to All strike. right, that's enough. We will have no more discussion as to wardrobe. The jury will not give any weight to the clothes. You were arrested the night of the murder, weren't you, Mr. Bix? Yes, but much later. Drunk and disorderly conduct? I was sober when I saw your client. How many times have you been arrested for drunk and disorderly conduct, sir? Objection. Overruled. More than five? Maybe. More than ten? I don't know. In fact, this was your 11th time. And after the last one, you were told the next one meant jail time. Isn't that right, Mr. Bix? Yes. Are you going to be serving time for your 11th arrest? I don't think so. Because you had something to offer, didn't you, Mr. Bix? You decided to hand over Mr. Dixon in exchange for serving no time. Is that why you made this story up? Objection. Overruled. Did you make up this story, Mr. Bix? No. They needed to place my client with the victim alive, and you decided to offer your services, didn't you? I'm not lying. I saw him with that woman. But you woman. did make a deal in exchange for this testimony, didn't you, Mr. Bix? 
Yes. Yes. And Good you work, say Eugene. you were sober mm -hmm. when you saw my client with Miss Brennan. Was that your testimony? Yes. Well, according to three different witnesses, you were seen drinking as early as four o'clock that afternoon. But I wasn't drunk. You're an alcoholic, aren't you, Mr. Bix? Well, I like to drink, yeah, but whether that makes me an alcoholic. You were seen drinking at four o'clock that day. You were still drinking at 1130 when you got arrested. I was sober when I saw him with her. Have you had a drink today, Mr. Bix? I'm sorry? Have you had a drink today? I've had one. You had one. Oh, Let the Helen, record reflect. You blew that. It's 10:15 in the morning. Nothing further. Eugene's the man. He is definitely the one I'd want if I were like accused of murder or something. You'd known he'd had AIDS for three years. Yes. Uh, here's Jimmy back and in his losing secret. fight. Well, what changed? I saw on the news. Those two guys stopped to help this guy in a car accident. He wasn't breathing. They both did mouth to mouth. Turned out that the accident victim had AIDS. And now these two Samaritans are at risk. They have to go for AIDS tests for the next few years. So I thought, what if something like that happens here? Suppose Wayne has a heart attack or he blacks out. Well, it, it certainly is possible given his immune system. And then suppose somebody at work goes to resuscitate him. I mean, wouldn't I be a little bit liable? I, mean, I know he has AIDS. I don't tell. You know, the people who work for me. So you felt it was your legal responsibility. And my moral one, to be honest. I put my trust in these people. And I asked these people to trust me. This guy's great. He's sympathetic. How can I sit on information that could possibly threaten their lives? Misinformed a bit, but... I mean, Did any doctor but yes. advise you that Mr. Mayfield might be a health risk to anybody else? Oh, I no. might as well. Did I any medical professional advise you? The lawyer representing the defendant, or the not the defendant, I guess the uh, the plaintiff, I think, is Keith Sellen Wright from Scandal, Veep, Mad Men, Wings, and Silk Stockings. You know, we're almost halfway through the episode, ladies and gentlemen, and not only do I not know the chair Easter egg yet, I also do not know who's the honorable man in, in question here. Yeah, indeed. So uh, we have that mystery still at large. You to reveal my client's condition? No. But probably because doctors are more afraid of being sued than anybody. Did you consider the possibility that Mr. Mayfield may be stigmatized by your memo? That he might suffer from discrimination as a result of this disclosure? Yes. But I weighed that risk against the potentially fatal one facing the others. And I made my decision. I'd also like to say I feel that the company supported Wayne. He resents sympathy, as he stated in his testimony. And a lot of the discrimination he says he was subjected to, the bulk of it he only perceived. The employees at Straub like him. And following my disclosure, nobody came to me asking that he be let go. And I think that needs to be said.
And you said it perfectly. How's it going? He totally stoned them. They're now willing to take 125. Really? We rejected it. You should have seen them. Is the jury still out? No, we go back in at five for closing arguments, which I got to get to work on. Come on, Peter. Jimmy's being an Did you see his face when I said that? Did I see it? I could hear it when it hit the floor. They were so cocky. But that's the way they are, Jimmy, I'm telling you. They get all this special treatment. You know, they get all these special laws passed. They get the whole country screaming. Oh, this guy's going to go on a manifesto of, of Here discrimination. We go. All right, let's, let's roll it back so we can get the full weight of this guy's assholery. Get the and full mega. And if you're watching along, let's see if we can see the moment when they told Michael Bataluco to, like, beat change. Keith, oh, there's acting terms. What's a beat change? A beat change uh, is when your character realizes something or feels something different. It is coming from a different angle emotionally, usually. So you change the beat and are now playing a, a different desire, different desired outcome. He, he's on the samba and he's about to go to uh, something a little slower. Yeah. Oh, bossa nova. I could hear it when it hit the floor. They were so cocky. But that's the way they are, Jimmy, I'm telling you. They get all this special treatment. You know, they get all these special laws passed. They get the whole country is. screaming, let them get married. I mean, it, it's like there's some privileged class or that's something. Actually, no, that, that's, a, that's a perfect thing to stop it right there, because I can explain the beat change there. You can see it in Jimmy physically in this scene. As he's... Jimmy is like, he's moving fast, he's shuffling papers, you can feel his body bopping, bopping, bopping. And then when he's, when, what's his name, says a, says the, the first thing, Jimmy's physically slows down as you see him take in that information and all of his enthusiasm has been punctured. And so there's an emotional beat just in the physicality there. You don't even see it on his face yet. There's just slows down. Now this is going to be one of those scenes where they're going to overscore it to underline yeah. that beat change, probably unnecessary for an with, for an actor of Michael's caliber. However, you know it's this is what this is TV. It's uh, how we gotta over, we have to underline with bold marker here. Sure do. Smarter than everybody too. That's why they thought they'd win this. I ever tell you my mother was gay, Peter? What? Funny. <laughs> no, it's true. Maybe I didn't mention it because I didn't think it was such a big deal that it would matter to my friends. Oh, hey, Jimmy. To each his own. Now, come on, you know me. Look, <laughs> I got no problem with people living the way they want. It's just. See, you know. The special treatment. Yes. Well, I better work on my closing. You know what you're going to say? I have an idea. Oh, shit. Well, he can't sabotage it. Really good beat by uh, Michael Bataluca, though. The body cools down about one degree per hour in 65 degree weather, which it was that evening. We recorded a base temperature of 95.5. That was just after midnight. Computing the one degree per hour, we calculated the time of death to be between 9 and 10 o'clock. But since the officer found her dead at 9.30, we determined the TOD to be between 9 and 9.30. It's pretty Were specific. Were you able to determine the cause of death, Dr. This Fine? is Ryan Katrona. We've seen before as the pathologist. 
between 9 and 9.30. So Ms. Brennan could have been killed at one minute past nine. Possible? Possible. So my client's contention that he found the body already dead at around 9.15, then proceeded to make love to it after she was dead. That's possible, isn't it? It's possible, but it's... Well, in fact, scientifically, you can't rule out that possibility at all. No, I can't rule it out. In fact, a body temperature will spike if a person was struggling prior to death, wouldn't it? She could have been at 100 when she died. Isn't that possible? Yes. So she might have been killed as early as uh, 7, 7.30. Well, a witness saw her alive at 8.30. So you're basing your findings in part on the reliability of the witness, Billy Bix? Yes, I am. Thank you, Dr. Fine. Yeah, Eugene. The witness yeah, may so step good. down. Ms. Gamble. The prosecution rests, Your Honor. Mr. Young, you're on. The defense rests, Your Honor. Boom. I got a very big dick. That's a baller move. I don't even need to put How up How do you defense. mean, I don't testify? I mean, you don't testify. What's with that? If I don't tell my side, I they're going to think I did it. What's with that? If we put you on the stand, all your other felonies come in, including the time you flash kids at an elementary school. That mm. doesn't make me a killer. It makes you a piece of crap, which we don't need the jury to hear. They already think that. I slept if with that woman. If you take the stand, they'll know it. Okay, okay. All I don't right. like this. What's going on? You have to trust us on this, Mr. Dixon. I don't put on any defense. What the hell is that? You yes. don't have any defense. You were caught red-handed raping the victim. After she was dead. Alex, the jury won't believe you. How do you know? Because I don't believe you. Eugene. I think you did it. You strangled her, then raped her. That's what I think, because I've had the pleasure of listening to you talk. I don't want the jury to hear you open your fat mouth, because then they'll know you did it, just like I do. I have an obligation to protect you, Alex, and your fat mouth. You listen to me. The chair! Eugene, The chair! The flying chair! I have you know, on the graphics, I motion blurred it and everything to make it look like it's flying. Yo, that guy got off easy. Eugene threw a chair. I've seen him in the pilot. Mr. Dixon. Choke a man out. (laughs) Our defense is the state hasn't satisfied its burden of proof. With that strategy, it's better not to call any witnesses. That's why we're not calling you. Certainly, it's your right to testify, and if you insist, we will allow you to do so. But it is our collective judgment. It's better for us to rest without putting on a defense and focus the jury on the state's failure to make its burden. And as it stands, we have a very good chance. Very well stated. A little more rationally. I don't know what's going on, but... Gay bashing seems to be coming back into style. We've got radio talk show hosts proudly declaring their prejudices. Churches and politicians calling we gay give them people presidential sick. medals of honor now. Voters mm-hmm. coming out in droves to support bans on gay marriages. What is going on? As far as fear of AIDS goes, stop the insanity. You want something really to be scared about? Abolish people's right to medical privacy. And they simply won't get tested. They'll stop going to the doctors. Great argument. Then watch the disease. Yeah. Or take their health Many insurance diseases. away. That'll achieve the same purpose. Oh, yeah, that'll, that'll fix it. This man went. Also, if you don't test, you won't tested. get COVID. Uh, low punished. numbers if we test a lot less people. Is that the message we want to be sending? My Trump sounds like because a man if that's shitting it, himself. 
then a plague <laughs> on all our houses. We shouldn't be t- testing as many people. <laughs> What's he talking about? Gay backlash? Gays oh, have wait, got hold more on. special treatment going it's than anyone. time. Time to put your case to bed. It's close. giving his clothes, but really talking about his mom? We got special AIDS laws. Hollywood, the Emmys, the Oscars, they all got those red ribbons on, don't they? In honor of AIDS. My dad died of a heart attack. Where's the ribbon for cardiovascular disease? They got those. And now... Pretty sure there is one, yeah. When a person has a fatal, deadly, infectious disease... There's a law that says you can't even warn people. Nobody's saying we should discriminate against people with AIDS. But where's the law to protect you and me? Where's the legislation to protect Mr. Mayfield's co-workers? If he dropped, a dozen different people would be giving him mouth to mouth. If he got cut playing basketball, his teammates would help tend to it. They don't have a right to know they could be risking their lives. How nut is that? It's Doesn't a fair Mr. Hines sure. owe some duty to look out for the people who work for him? He did the moral thing, the reasonable thing. And let's remind ourselves one more time. The plaintiff didn't get fired. Nobody beat him up. Mr. Mayfield says he even felt depressed by the people who were trying to help him, for God's sakes. Maybe we should pass another law. It's a crime to show too much sympathy for people with AIDS. Now enough. Just being a prick. Is enough. Also, no differentiation between HIV and AIDS. Mm, like the same thing in 2000. Way to go full MAGA, Jimmy. How are we doing? I think okay. How you doing? Lindsay's playing the role of Rebecca Cricket here. Eugene. Don't start playing psychologist with me, okay? Yeah, remember when uh, Lisa Gay Hamilton was on the show? Yeah, Are she was so psychologist? great. Psychologist? Yeah. Because I think you should be. That right. Yes. Every time you take cases like this, you just you turn angry. I mean, the it rabbi... It doesn't have to be fun, Lindsay. What am I supposed to do? Be all happy you and gay? Beat up These cases don't bother me, okay? Whatever you're feeling. I don't feel anything. I'm a defense attorney. It's not my job to feel. Why can't people see that? Eugene, uh... I have work to do here, Lindsay. As my dad used to say all of the time, relax in your slacks, Jax. Quick side note, my father also used to say cool as a cucumber, uh, which... Oh, I say that. Yeah, I uh, never really quite understood. I guess well, cucumbers you know, are cool. As Leon has pointed out, I'm pretty much, you know, a dad full-time now, even though I don't have kids. My dad also used to go, and I've been saying it lately, Jen's like, where did this come from? You never talk like this. I'll, I, I'll go, looking good. With... <laughs> <laughs> 
talking about a variety of things, and she's like, you don't talk like that. Where did that come from? I was like, I think my dad used to say it. I think I should do the closing. I will do it. If you can't do your best. I will do my very best. Cases like this, I... I'm hoping Lisa Gay just was busy. I get so afraid I let my personal disgust affect my... Uh, I compensate by trying harder. If anything, I try even harder for the guilty. This is why we want you, Eugene. How sick is that? <laughs> for when we're prosecuted? Yeah. yeah. You've reached the verdict already? I'm on my way. Jimmy. My spies down at the courthouse said that your closing seemed a little... Quick shout out to your brother. Uh, as I watch, um, you know, as I like mix the podcast, I, by in, by no means, I'm sure you can hear at home, it's it's not uh, an audio triumph, but... Uh, <laughs> an audio triumph. I've learned, uh, you know, that you think you just set a level or an, uh, and and then it stays that volume, but then there's all these peaks and valleys and things that are too quiet or too loud, and there's all this work that goes into it. And as I watch the meter on the episode, it's just the 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 differences between the peaks and valleys is so minute, but they're still effective in your headphones. And yet the top level never goes past negative six dB. It's like so amazing how much. Yeah, work. what's it's. It's well compressed. Yeah, it's just like crazy how they do it. Yeah, put a lot of work into it. I certainly watched uh, me and my uncle frame by frame by frame working on Voyager or something like that. Just like you you have like seven of nine's finger like uh, 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 beep and then back. And then is that the right beep? Beep. And, and just out, endless hours. And frame I imagine they are frame. working with more than four channels. Well, in, I mean, yes, obviously, I mean, they're doing a whole shit ton of layers, but the, the TV stuff at that point was mixed down to stereo, I think. That's the, the, the films, now that was a much bigger, I think they had at least six. Jesus. What about your closing? I went with what I thought would be effective. Well, that's Red the final light. output, right? I mean, initially, Red, you're dealing white, with like... And blue. Oh, like a gazillion. I better yeah. go. Because you've got backgrounds, you've got effects, you've got Foley, you've got all of that. And they're not even dealing with the music. that They do the final mix on that if later. If there's a question, defense attorneys get asked more than uh, here's anything Here's continued else. closing it's, time. This time for it's Eugene. closing time. Number two. Time to put your case to bed. Again, a dumpster. It's closing time. Number two. Again. Somehow I magically thought it was going to unpause itself. I don't, I don't know what happened today, there. Defending the scum of the earth, then go home and sleep. Well, okay, he's bringing his personal life into the courtroom clothes Starting for a little bit. baller. He's still well, sitting down. I got myself a pretty good piece of scum in this one, don't I? He raped a dead woman. Hard enough for me to Definitely even look at him, let alone him to start my closing. Him. But the answer to the question is, I don't come in here day after day representing people like him. I represent you and me. 
I'm in here making sure the prosecution lives up to its burden of proving guilt beyond a reasonable doubt before they get to incarcerate people. Because if they don't live up to that burden, if we start letting them convict without meeting that criteria, then innocent people are at risk. You and me. Maybe him too. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he killed that woman. Maybe he didn't. I can't tell you. What I can say is they didn't satisfy their burden. There is doubt all over the place. Nobody saw him commit a murder. The coroner himself said the murder could have happened hours before the police officer found him. It is not likely he's going to hang around with his victims for hours, is it? No thumbprints or bruises on the neck matching my client. You know, the thus victim... far, they've hired Holland Taylor to just sit there and watch Eugene work. Uh, it's it's bizarre. It's I, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it in the oopsies, but yeah. Smell like garbage. Why? Because she was in that dumpster, just like my client said she was when he found her. One witness who places my client with the victim alive turns out to be a drunk, likely drunk at the time. Can we really trust his powers of observation or his credibility? The testimony he gave was part of a deal that kept him out of jail. Deal. What I should say is bribe. He had a motive to lie. Now, the only thing they can prove is that my client was having sex with a dead body. Does that make him vile? Absolutely. But it in no way proves he committed a homicide. It certainly doesn't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. Ms. Gamble started things off calling this ugly. It is. Sometimes the job is ugly. I got to come in here and fight for a system I believe in even when I don't like my client. And it gets ugly for juries, too. Because doing your job here means finding that man not guilty. It absolutely means that under the facts we have. Now, I can't stop you from saying the hell with the rules. I can't prevent you from lowering the burden of proof if that's what you choose to do. I will ask you to consider. What if one day you or somebody you love is charged with a crime you or he didn't commit? Keith? How would you feel if yeah. you, he, or she got a jury who dispensed with the burden of proof and just said, close enough? Keith? It happens. Probably wouldn't be a fan. Goes against the very grain of our criminal justice system, but it happens. Violates every principle of our Constitution, but it happens. The only question we have here, is it going to happen today? It is possible that he did find her dead. It's possible. There's nothing they can do to disprove that possibility. Definitely not beyond a reasonable doubt. That's a fact. A fact you can take back into that room. In order for the system to work, feels a similar close we need to Eleanor's the defense attorneys week. to do their jobs, even when it's unpopular to do so. That's pretty much... Any like it's every it's you're, the show, right? Well, it's it's. I think it's the act. Like anytime you're doing a closing and your thesis is they didn't prove the case, right? This is what the closing is. Yeah, especially what. Although I I don't care. I get it. I get it. I get it. I just always bristle at when you when you like concede that yeah he probably did it, but that's tough. That is tough sledding. Well. It's it's tough sledding if you're like representing a likable client, but yeah. the first thing he did was concede that he raped a corpse. So I think you're you're like you're not really going for the likability str strategy anyway yeah, there. So that's fair.
in order for the system to work. We need the jury. Because you're not asking the, the jury to jobs. side with the client. You have to give them something else to side with. Like Miss Gamble said. Sometimes the job is ugly. Steve Harris is really good. Yeah. Because, yeah, he can bring it to 11, but he also knows how to pull that, like, go to 11, but then pull it back down to 3 and, like, compose himself. And that's awesome. Yeah. Such no. a skilled actor. Helen Gamble featuring the world's tightest bun. In very few cases is the defendant the actually her hair seen is what I'm referring committing to. the murder. <laughs> the jury is, thirsty. is allowed to consider circumstantial evidence when making its finding. Here... The defendant was found raping the victim while her body was still warm. Our system of criminal justice doesn't preclude you from using common sense. Anything is possible, ladies and gentlemen. And our Anything's burden, possible. It isn't proof beyond all doubt. Name that musical, Keith. It's proof beyond all reasonable doubt. I don't know. Susical. He was seen with her alive. Oh, of course. He was discovered with her dead. Gee, I wonder what happened. To Eugene's point, I don't ever want to have my life on the line at a, at a, at a murder trial where the closing argument from the prosecution is, hey, anything's possible. No, she's saying use common sense, and as a jury member, I don't really want to be put in a position where I have to do that. Correct. Yeah, I always thought it was pretty binary. Do I have any doubts? In the matter of Mayfield versus Straub Industries, we find in favor of Jimmy's the plaintiff, case. Wayne Mayfield, and order the defendant to pay damages in the amount of $25. Fuck. Jury is dismissed with the thanks of the court. They turned down 125 Gs? Did he say $25? Yep. We won, basically. Yeah, you did, Pete. You're a big winner. <laughs> it was your closing, Jimmy. Well, you inspired it. You got something to say? Yeah, you're a piece of trash. Yeah. I think you're a bigot. I also think you revealing his condition you probably meant to create a climate that would make him want to leave. Mission accomplished, Pete. Hey. Growing up, I mean, you thought they were just as sick as I did. Come on. The difference is, I grew up. Great line. Now, Keith... Uh, Mike is going to get on my soapbox. Generally, it's you oh, that does so, but I'm it. getting on mine. I loved that conversation. I loved that interaction. I, I know what David's going for. What makes me sad in my heart, especially recently, is that in that exchange, Jimmy was able to say his point and call this person out and point out their, point out their, uh, 
bigotry bigotry and discriminations and such and what i find so unfortunate is that we are living in a climate right now where that is running rampant right there different kind of it's not face to face in a courtroom but people are posting the receipts and a lot of uh supporters of bigots and all kinds of other pieces of trash are being called out and rather than having that moment of reflection a great majority of these people are just compartmentalizing it spewing hate back and then doubling down and that is the true sadness in our fucking society right now oh oh for sure well and it's not just compartmentalizing it it's celebrating it yeah it's it's like it it has now become this affirmative own the libs fuck you celebration of bigotry that is just running rampant like a cancer in this country and then there's anyway. that there's that type of person and then there's the other type of folks i've seen and, and even in my extended family where it's like it's based in this deep-seated inability to say you know what i was wrong about xyz it, yeah. it, i can't admit i was wrong and so i have to double down because by changing my mind or admitting that i'm changing my mind that's a tacit a, a tacit understanding that i was wrong and, and people don't we grew up in a society where being wrong is weakness and and people don't want to be weak. Yeah, and and it's just it's it's sad that you know and and this is one thing that our side can do better. And that is to allow people to, to change. change their mind, yeah. And and it does not you know like I I think about my my own experience because growing up, I mean, by middle school I had already sort of turned the corner and became a gay rights activist. But in elementary school, I, you know, everybody's thrown out the F word all day long. And I didn't really think anything of it. Like, oh, the gross homos or whatever. And I was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn and I had to change and I had to sort of grow. And then, and, uh, you know, I, I, I did it earlier than most because of my family influences. But if I didn't have family influences, I'm sure it would have taken me longer to, to make that turn to find that understanding and like even the most ardent supporters the people who are ostensibly on the right side of things are going to have pieces going to have holes in their knowledge and their experience and their judgment you know historically and even today like lord knows there are things in my head that i think are right now that i will learn are wrong later yeah and i think it's important to repoint out because uh you know the chances are there are going to be listeners of this uh, or already are who aren't of a certain age, though it seems a little bit like you know trivial, I guess in this respect. Forget put 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 huge box office shows like uh, or movies like Philadelphia aside for a second. On television in the late '90s, early aughts, when Ellen was coming out, when right. Will and Grace was starting, when an episode like this airs, there was controversy. It was a big fucking deal. And oh, for sure. Any gay character on TV. Yeah. Like my so-called life. So it was, you know, like, yes, clearly David E. Kelly is very liberal and has liberal beliefs. Same deal with the West Wing and whatnot. But that doesn't lessen the fact that they had the balls to put it on television and say, this is what we think. It's not a, it's not left-wing propaganda. It's it's the truth and it's reality. Look at it. And And you're also, you're not having a guest star making these points. Mm -hmm. You're actually having your hero, your series regular, uh, making these points. Because therefore, 
you're not sort of representing both sides by having two opposing guest stars. You're actually like, this is what the show thinks. This is what I as the writer think because you're having your hero say it. Especially yeah. in a, you just, like you, you, we're not doing anti-heroes here. So you're, you know, what Bobby says, what Jimmy says. I mean, at the end of the episode, Jimmy always has to go on a journey. But uh, at the end of the day, that's what they're speaking for the writer. I always I feel like Jimmy and and Eugene get the best have thus far had the best character arcs. Did I handle myself okay? Yeah, I was gonna say that before too. Like Jimmy has grown more than anybody on the show. I got goosebumps. I was suddenly proud to be a defense attorney again. I'm not so sure you should be that proud. Do you really mean that? You know, we're trained not to ask ourselves a big question. How can you defend murderers and rapists? We're trained not to go near that because if we do, we'll end up a mess. So we stay away, far away, till one day we don't even recognize the question. And when, when people ask us, we, we just look at them like, you don't get it, that's all. Like they're the ones who are lost. Then it hits you. Maybe we're the ones who are lost. Keith, we haven't had one of these like closing scenes like this in a while. <laughs> they just there is honor in what every you time do, David E. Kelly writes by himself. This is the end you of may every not episode. Your own words in there. I gotta restate the thesis. I, I gotta restate the thesis. <laughs> she said, "I find this teacher. I got a red pen out and have him thin this out." Who? We got it. We got it. Sure. It wasn't that season one, David? Yeah, she's right. Yep. I can't feel. I'm afraid to let myself feel. And especially to use Sharon, his ex-wife, as Maybe the... that's why I can be so damn As what proves that, you know, like, as the impetus for him to reconsider it. Yeah. Little... He did just say something kind of important character-wise. He says, said, I can't feel, which I think is, that's interesting. I can't feel. I'm afraid to let myself feel. That's, that's a slightly different so damn honorable. That that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Does defending that type of client instead of making you a bad or good Back person, does go? it turn you into a yeah. sociopath? Lucy's got a Hillary Clinton power suit on now. Hey Ma. It's a good change. Nah, I'm still at the office. Just getting ready to leave. Oh, you got company? I'll let you go. He's a good mama's boy. No, no, nothing's wrong. I was just calling him to say hi, that's all. How's everything going? Yeah, same, pretty normal. Great beat. Oh, no, nothing's wrong. I was just calling. Let you know I was thinking of you, that's all. So good. Well, we'll talk tomorrow. All right. Love you too. Also, good work by Michael because you know there's nobody on the other end of that line. <laughs> Here we go, verdict.
what's our defendant's name in the IMDb, Keith? This is Jim Peary? Uh, no. This is Tom LaGrua. Okay. No. Who the fuck is it? <clears throat> Will the defendant please rise? Alan Davidson. Has the jury reached its verdict? We have, Your Honor. What say you? Count 32623 on the charge of murder in the first degree. We find the defendant, Alex Dixon, not guilty. On the count of murder in the second degree, we find the defendant not guilty. On the count of lascivious and unnatural acts, we find the defendant guilty. The defendant is sentenced six months, credited with time served. He is free to go. This concludes the jury's service. Ladies we and gentlemen, Emmy winner Holland Taylor. Yeah. I'm surprised that they did the sentencing Mr. Dixon, Mr. Dixon. right there. So, can I go? But I guess. Check with probation and then you can go. For that level of offense, maybe that's like the max. Oh, Helen. Is Eugene going to get in the elevator again, but this time his ex-wife isn't in there? Because that would be a cool beat, a cool juxtaposition from that last scene, remember? Yeah. He's escaping the press and then, oh no, he's just alone and... Single tear in single it. Tear like it. a fucking oh. boss. Actually, the oopsies when it comes to best actor this episode, we have two highly, highly ranked candidates. We sure do. But now we have a tear, so things could get interesting. Oh, there's, there it is. Tom Brady knows we're a sucker for a tear. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your official warning. Go back to the YouTube, click on that link, go back to the YouTube where Keith and I are going to discuss the oopsies starting... Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Y'all, Eugene is pissed. His wife took off again, so he is defending a guy who banged a corpse accused of murdering that corpse in the dumpster. But guess what? He was in the dumps because he didn't murder her. He was just banging her and he shouldn't be going to jail. On the other case, uh, Jimmy uh, has to defend a guy who kind of screwed over this guy with AIDS and ends up winning. But really, he loses a little bit of his soul. Eugene wins, but also lost a lot of his soul. Please don't ever play that back to any human being. This was a really heavy episode, apparently. <laughs> well, we all lost. Is very short. No, no, for sure. Uh, well, we've all lost a little bit of our soul, but you know what? Restore souls. It is time for, ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike! What the hell are the oopsies? Well, I'll tell you, Jackie. It's a fake award show we do at the end of every episode of the Out of Practice podcast in which we give practice characters awards. But That's they're true. fake. That's true. And we start 
with Most Now, Keith, you're going to find that I have made some mistakes here. Oh, I, I'm shocked. Uh, but I think I can resolve these mistakes. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty confident I can do so. Uh, the question is going to be whether or not I... Uh, here we go. That's that, at least. The question is okay. going to be whether I've done this for the others, and I, I don't feel that I have. Uh, you no haven't habit. cropped me into the other other slides, huh? No, you're cropped fine. It's just the actual slides themselves. I'm going to have to kind of do this on the on the thing. Okay. You know what I'm going to do? I think I'm going to just put up the main oopsie thing and 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 have to do better next time. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that was interesting. <laughs> but what... <laughs> <laughs> what is interesting is this episode's most valuable lawyer, which I'll go first as okay. I see you're struggling with graphics. No, 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 they're good. What you see is not indicative of what the final result is, so that's good. Oh, oh, okay, okay. All right, well, uh, I, I think it's quite clearly Eugene here. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Jimmy did get a victory of sorts, but it was a bit of a Pyrrhic victory. Whereas uh, Eugene put up a hell of a defense, uh, even though the client didn't necessarily deserve it, and uh, he crushed it. I thought he really handled that well. So for me, it's Eugene. Yeah, I think that uh, Jimmy, like you said, uh, really only got to give somebody a stern talking to and maybe learn a couple lessons about keeping in touch with mom. But ultimately, yeah, Eugene uh, knocked it out of the park. All right, congratulations, Eugene, on your MVL. Put it up on a shelf next to... Oh, wrong one. Wrong you one. Oh, you're God. already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. Or first entry on your IMDb. Way, Way to, to go. go. And you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. Oh, I think this, uh, <laughs> if you ever thought uh, when you, Alan Davidson, when you started your career as an actor, mm, that you would be mm. receiving a prestigious award <laughs> uh, for your portrayal of a corpse banger, as I so eloquently a stated it. Banger. Oh, very eloquent, yes. Uh, you would have been right because uh, you're about to be awarded my vote for the oopsie for best guest actor, even though you were in an episode, you would beat out Holland Taylor for That's an true. oopsie. Holland Taylor, the most expensive extra in the episode. Uh, yeah, no, I thought he did well, I, but I'm going to give mine to Jim Peary as the Tom Hanks stand-in, who I thought did a, a really nice, nuanced job as the uh, as the plaintiff in Jimmy's case. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it, 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 it's not like a big showy episode for guest stars. Mm -hmm. um, but as usual, very solid performances, even as we're handing it off to our main cast. So, uh, congratulations, Jim Peary and Alan Davidson for your fake awards. Now it's time for... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. 
Michael Bataluco, Steve Harris, mm-hmm. yeah. head to head. Battle oh. of the Titans. Man, uh, it, it's so hard. It's so hard. The beat changes, everything. But I think for his ability to bring it all the way up to 10 and then bring it back, I, I have to go with Steve Harris uh, as my vote for yeah. best actor. Yeah, it's a it's a terrific episode for him. Um, you know, the only complaints I have are on the writing side because it's sort of beats he's been asked to play before. Yeah. But he plays them really, really well. Which is also a That's, challenge, you know, that can be seen yeah. as a challenge. Yeah, no. Uh, but that said, we're going to go splitsies because I'm giving my half to Michael Bataluco. Okay. Because fair. I think uh, I think that's a, that is the just way to handle this because they both deserve an oopsie. So they can cut it in half and put it on their shelf. They, I'm sure they, they each have a half an oopsie kicking around somewhere. They can just glue them together. So uh, congratulations, Steve Harris and Michael Bataluco on your best actor. Oopsie. Next up. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. First things first, let's put last week's Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady up right here, which was chain smoking Tom Brady. Yes, yes. This don't week's, try that at home. This week's Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Now listen, I don't want to ever be sued for libel. Uh, so I'm going Too to late. I'm going to simply imply something with my Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady here. Mm, okay. Um, this week's winner of the Tom Brady War for being Tom Brady is. Uh, I'm so afraid because I. Why I is he a... hanging around that stinky dumpster, Tom Brady? <laughs> That's it. Why is he hanging around that stinky dumpster, Tom Brady? What? This week's award for the Tom Brady War for being Tom Brady. That's not even where I thought you were going, but I still love it. Why is he hanging around that stinky dumpster, Tom Brady? <laughs> Applause. <laughs> 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 oh man, that's funny. Oh, that's a good one. And and really, uh, you're gonna have to really hear the episode to understand why that's important. Yeah, it's it's so dark. if you're just it's following dark. us on Instagram, start it's, listening. It's pretty dark. Pretty dark. Well, you know, it's been a dark episode. That's true. Speaking of dark things, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. So is it possible that this is one of those episodes they had in the can in order to fill a spot? You know, we talked about it last season. Yes, they make an off reference to the wedding, but like you said before, like that we knew we've known about that for a while. Right, right. The reason and they I sprinkled it in a little bit. The reason I say it is because it it doesn't play into the made ma- the meta arc at all. Right. It re- it runs around two the both cases surround around beats we've been or we've done before the eugene case or the eugene right. like exploration representing a monster right and jimmy dealing co- with homophobia <laughs> thank you for knowing what i'm about to say but <laughs> yeah like if we, they, okay cool we don't see most of the main cast bobby's not in the show episode at all uh, rebecca's on sabbatical uh Helen doesn't put up much of a fight. Holland Taylor's there for no reason. And we just came off what Keith and I heralded as one of the best three episode arcs, period. 
And then it's like, we got this little gap before the season finale. Uh, as yep. I said last week, I wish that last week had run directly into the season finale because those three episodes, it would have been such a strong, and this just feels like it lands sort of, no, no disrespect to the, to the, to the issues we're dealing with, but the episode itself landed sort of like a, a dull turd after the, that trilogy before the season finale. So I'm underwhelmed, I'd say. Uh, so I'm going to give it seven spare tires. It still was good. Well, ex ex exceptional performances by Michael Badalucco and Steve Harris, uh, I yeah. think, bolster what would probably be a lower number, but I think seven spare tires for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I sort of agree with all the things that you said. Um, if we weren't retreading this information, if this were a season two episode, I think it would be, uh, we would be receiving it better. Um, but because we're Fair. retreading a lot, yeah, it, it, it feels a little bit like filler. And it's a great showcase, uh, you know, for Steve and Michael, but it's not, yeah, yeah, it's fine. You know, and, and I, the Holland Taylor thing, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. She just won an Emmy for this show, but this season, she's like judge number two. Right. It, it's, it, she, there's no, there's nothing to her character. We don't, we haven't learned anything about her story-wise, emotionally. She doesn't have any connection to the heroes on the show. She's just sort of there. And I don't, I don't understand that. I don't know why she's, why would you have her there if you're not going to use her? Um, because she's just a glorified action. I mean, she, she might literally have been an under five on this episode. And uh, I, I don't know why Holland Taylor would even agree to, to be there for that. Yeah. Other than to just like remind us that she's still sort of there. Uh, but, it, it, you know, when we talk about the whole season, as, a, as I will definitely have some thoughts about the use of Holland Taylor coming off of her Emmy. Um, you know, that said... It's a perfectly fine episode. It was it's sort of well-constructed, well-acted, well-performed. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just sort of like, eh, it's sort of an average episode, fine. So I'm going to give it 6.75 tires, which gets us but 6.825 between the two. And that is the tires we have for this episode. Which means you have gotten your way through another episode of the Out of Practice Podcast. If you would like to talk to us about it, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. You can email us directly with offers for old technology from the 90s or not at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can check out our blog and our definitive ranking of every episode ever on the practice at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. You can do us a giant favor and join these amazing donors that have donated to... <laughs> I was going to go somewhere else. <laughs> Crap. All right, Out of Practice Podcast is brought to you by generous donations from... Lee Ann Wrights, Cloud Lover 69, whoever you are, Jorge Navoa, and the VCR mistress herself, Jennifer Matanova. You can join the jury, do us a favor, leave us a rating and review on Apple iTunes or podcasts or any other service of your choice. Just let us know. You can also donate to the show. I'll let you know how to do so in our show notes. 
But if you don't have time to do that, just pick up the closest chair to you, throw it at the screen in disgust, and yell off some laser sounds. Laser sound.